Are we a full meter apart right now? Yes. I think we're good. Okay. You don't need to be socially isolated. You just need to be a meter apart, which for us, it's probably a good idea anyway. I like being a meter apart from you. Exactly. Nobody has a handle on the league like these two hockey heads. Mike Farwell, Chris Pope, your number one authorities on the OHL. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. So far, yeah, I made sure to uh, put on some hand sanitizer before I came in here. I did the exact same thing. Did you? Yeah, my hands are getting a little dry. I need to alternate between hand sanitizer and moisturizer. I was applying the same this morning, and I thought, have we not yet come up with the hand sanitizing moisturizer? Because there's a market for somebody right now. Wouldn't that be nice right now? Get some clean hands and then also some soft hands? We've got the hand sanitizer. And we've got the disinfecting wipes, kills cold and flu viruses in the studio at 570 News Mission Control as we record today. Yo, pass me those Lysol wipes. I'm going to take those home. No, not allowed. Why? They're even labeled. Oh. We were, when these were handed out at the radio station, there is one for each studio. And I was given explicit instructions in the studio I use the most. Farwell, it better stay here. You can't take these anywhere and you can't use them in another room. I tried to get a travel size hand sanitizer at Walmart the other day and looking for some Lysol wipes. And the gentleman literally laughed in my face and said, try eBay. I heard just uh, down the hall here in uh, one of our radio station booths that a six pack of Lysol online right now. Any guess how much? Eighty nine ninety five. Bingo. Yeah, that's because some jack wagon went out and bought by the truckload. Mm-hmm. These packages and marks them up about four times. They're they're making they have profited about thirty thousand dollars on this. They've spent seventy k buying up all of the stuff, but they've made thirty thousand dollars. And they just say they're they're opportunists. No, what they are is criminal. That's what they are. They're an opportunistic criminal. Yeah, because it is pretty opportunistic. The uh, I give them that. <laughs> it's funny you you mentioned the hand sanitizer. The, our producer producer Polly on this podcast was out just this morning as we record on uh, Friday, March the thirteenth. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth. Nothing going on. Uh, was at Walmart before work because he needed. He insists he needed toilet paper. He needed it. Needed it. He said he's down to three rolls at home. I'm just going to take him at his word. But isn't that one of the funny things about this? It's the funniest thing. You need to, I don't, I'm not even talking about the hoarding. I'm talking about we all need toilet paper from time to time. But now, even when it's just time to replenish your usual supply at home, you feel guilt. You think people are judging you because, oh, there goes that Farwell and Pope guy. Those guys, uh, they're just hoarding some toilet paper. No, actually, I'm down to my last roll. Yeah, I just need toilet paper. I, I, I love the toilet paper phenomenon. I think it's so funny. The top doctors in the country and in the world say three things. Wash your hands, sneeze and cough into your arm, and don't go into big crowds. And what do people take away from that the most? Get toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I I just love it. I'm like, people are just so dumb. They're just so dumb. Speaking of the the top medical professionals in the world, uh, there's something I read this morning. I think it's timely. I think we need it. Uh, The chief medical officer of health in London, Ontario. And you know how much I love the forest city, Popper. Twice as much as I do. One of my favorite rinks to broadcast from, one of my favorite groups of media colleagues to see, one of my favorite cities in general. Am I building this up enough? Yep. Anyway, their chief medical officer of health was talking about the uh, expected rate of infection from coronavirus. By the way, if you haven't figured out, that's what we're talking about on this podcast. Uh, He said the estimates that were given from our federal health minister of 30 to 70 percent of the Canadian population, which translates to 11 or so to 26 or so million people, a staggering number. But he says those are probably blowing a whole lot out of proportion. And for reference, you can look back to the Spanish flu of 1919, which would be the closest thing to what we're seeing here. And even that had an infection rate of about 30%, and he says we are a much healthier world 100-plus years later. What was it like during that time, Mike? That's very funny, Chris. Thank you. One of the other things the Chief Medical Officer of Health from London said, and he said, he said this is a key point, the vast majority of us who get this illness 
will not suffer greatly from it. 90% plus, so he says, will, yes, have the discomfort that comes with the flu, but long term, we will recover and we will go on with life. So in light of everything else that we are just being bombarded with, let's keep that in mind and say, hey, this is from one of the top medical professionals in the province of Ontario, at least. I had a buddy and he just got back from Costa Rica. And we were talking to him about, you know, maybe you should be taking this a little more seriously. He's he's a jokester, but he's also an idiot. And he said, you know, like, if I die, I die. That's how I go out. That's how I go out. And I had to inform him that you probably won't die. You're a 32-year-old guy who's in decent enough shape, takes care of himself. He's got a good immune system. I said, but then you're going to go play hockey with our buddies who've got kids at home. You're putting them at risk. It's not about just whether, yeah, the 90% of us are not going to be, you know, too ill from it, but it's who we pass it on to that end up, you know, having some real uh, side effects and it could be deadly. So just simple. Wash your hands, cough into your arm, and don't be around big crowds. And you might want to reduce the the amount of travel that you're doing because you just hit on one of the other really important things about this. It's, It's not necessarily about you it's about the vulnerable people the vulnerable people that are around you so let's look out for them and i think that's why we're in this situation you just mentioned avoid big crowds where we are taking that and the phrase has been uttered so many times abundance of caution Mm -hmm. but sports leagues are shutting down including our beloved ontario hockey league so uh let's we we chatted with Kitchener Rangers uh, head coach and general manager Mike McKenzie because he's the easiest get on a day like this. But just to bring you the uh, sort of perspective of what it's like getting that announcement from the league, that memo from the league, delivering it to the players and what happens now. So here's our chat with Mike McKenzie. When it comes to this uh, announcement from the league, uh, how do you distribute that information to the players and, and how did they receive it? Uh, yeah, once we got word from the league yesterday, uh, we had our players there. Uh, we were planning on practicing until we got direction from the league on um, how things were going to go. So all our players were at the rink, which made things easy. And, uh, you know, after word came down from the league, we met with our players and told them the information that was given to us and that things were going to be on a pause and that they were going to head home back to their, their home cities um, for uh, an amount of time that I guess we really don't know at this point. And, uh, yeah, it was obviously a really surreal day. It's uh, It almost felt like a little bit of a dream that you were going to snap out of it at some point or wake up this morning and it wasn't going to be true or reality, but it's, uh, it's something that we have to deal with here. So with the players having gone home to their respective home cities, I imagine that there's not much a team can do by way of scheduling practices or workouts or anything like that? No, we'll be completely off. It's um, Everything's completely shut down. No one's going to be at the rink player-wise. They've all gone home, um, except if they're local players, obviously. Um, it's just one of those things right now where hockey and sport in general is really secondary to the health concerns. Um, yeah, I'm no expert or no doctor or, or, you know, pretend to know a lot about things like this. So you uh, you obviously know the severity of it uh, when things are shutting down and all major sports leagues, but also society in general is, um, you know, starting to shut down with schools and things like that. So um, it's obviously disappointing, but in, in one sense, it's obviously really important to take the measures and, uh, make sure that everyone's safe and healthy. Has the league indicated that there will be a time at all when it comes back and lets you know about next steps? No, at this point, I think I don't think anyone really knows. I think it's, uh, again, we're, we're just going to get the information from the people that, um, you know, make these decisions. And really there's no, I don't know, I haven't heard any timeline or anything like that. So I think it's one of those things that you'll continue to assess the situation, um, not only in hockey, but just in the world in general. And 
see where things are at and um we'll just kind of i guess they're just playing it by ear and seeing how things go from an operational standpoint, Mike, away from uh, the actual hockey games, obviously there's still work for a, a general manager to do, certainly. We're coming up pretty close to the uh, OHL's priority selection, for one thing. So do you get to spend a, a little bit more time poring over options for the draft? Yeah, that's definitely going to be the main focus. Um, there's very limited things you could do now um, in terms of actual hockey operations. It's pretty much everything shut down so um i would imagine our draft will continue as planned um due to the fact that it's a an online thing and it's uh you know over the internet so um yeah that'll be a huge part of the next few weeks is planning for that watching a lot of video um calling agents parents contacts making sure we really nail down um that that portion of work now that there's a lot more time freed up that's really going to be the main focus moving forward and i guess that video becomes uh, all the more important because even the ohl cup has been cancelled so it's not like you can get live viewings of these players anymore yeah yeah i mean we were talking about yesterday a couple of us and we said if you need the ohl cup to be really prepared for the draft then you might not have done your work uh throughout the year so it's uh, it's a nice cherry on top to the season to see a couple extra guys you might want to see again live. But overall, most of the work's done between September and September and February probably. So it's uh, it's obviously disappointing for the kids that were going to participate in the tournament. But I think our staff and myself will be well prepared. Uh, we work all year for this thing, so it's a very small portion of the of the uh, scouting season. How did your players take it when you delivered the news to them yesterday that uh, this was the case and the season was being put on pause? I, th- I thought of the overagers, and I mean, I know I'm playing the what-if game, but who, if they knew their last game was Wednesday night, that's a pretty, uh, a pretty crazy, a pretty surreal thing. But how did they take the news? Yeah, I think a lot of guys, including the staff, were just kind of in disbelief. It's, it's one of those things where you, you never really think about it happening or feel like something like that could happen so when it does happen you're not really mentally prepared for it but yeah it is like I said it's the most important thing is health right now but you can't help but sometimes think about guys like overage players that uh, are very unsure of what their future holds right now and kind of in limbo a little bit and uh, it's it's definitely a tough situation for everyone but like I said uh, hockey comes secondary at times like this the league using the word suspended season is the part that stands out to me just because i think there's still hope that they get to finish said season i am of the belief though that this season is done i can't imagine the nba coming out and saying it's going to be 30 days before they get back to normal i can't at, at the bare minimum i can't expect this canadian hockey league to wait 30 or 30 plus days and then get back to it. The situation might be a little bit different in the NBA because they have a player who tested positive already. So that might make the case a little bit different there. It's funny. This has been the only thing I think on so many of our minds for so long. Who knew that when we were traveling to Guelph, 48 hours ago to broadcast a Rangers storm game that it was one of the last games in the league, potentially this season, one Mm -hmm. of the last games that we potentially broadcast this season. Usually you get a buildup to that, don't you? Yeah. And you know, you know, it's an elimination game in the playoffs or you're not going to make the playoffs or whatever the case may be. And you, you somehow mentally are, are prepared for it. All of a sudden it's just whack. And what I started thinking about was what about the overage players in this league? I was thinking the exact same thing. Right. If that if it turns out that this is the way the season ends, wow! Like just flat out, wow. I thought about that. That, and I, I kind of had a smile on my face while doing it because I am of the belief that, and I hope I'm wrong. Trust me, I hope I'm wrong. But I think we're done. I think the season is over. And if that's the well, that is the last game. Greg Morales and Liam Howell will play as a major junior player. Greg Morales has a six spot. Howell with three against his former club. At least you can look at that and be like, ah, I went out on a high. Yeah, but think about this. 
remember that game and in the third period where there was a bit of a line brawl mm-hmm. and the bad blood was beginning to boil in what could have been a first-round matchup? Selfishly, don't you want some more? Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, trust me. I, I, Well, of course. like Everybody does. Nobody wanted this season to be suspended. Um, but I, I just can't imagine. With everything that's going on, we're not even at the, the peak of this illness that's going around. And with every professional league out there suspending uh, their play, I can't imagine. Especially with the the CHL having um, three different leagues and, and with some of the teams in the States and whatever is going on in the United States, who knows how many people are actually going to be tested. Um, it, it's tough to have those teams and expect... Ontario Hockey League teams to to go to Erie, to go to Flint, to go to Saginaw, and out out in the dub, California is one of and and Washington State are two, you know, hugely infected areas, and you have teams in Washington State. I don't think you can ask teams to go to to the states and 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 go there and play against Everett, for instance. Um, I just I can't imagine that they're all about player safety, right? They're all about player safety. I can't imagine in any world that the CHL deems it okay within the next 30 days to start again. And are you ready to start playoffs mid-April? Yeah, so I'm a little more optimistic than you are. And I say this with the caveat that it's the coronavirus that's in control here. Mm -hmm. right? We don't know from one day to the next where we're going to be at. Nope with regard to this illness and its spread. So far, it has been just an avalanche. It is incredible. One day after another, you get Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, you get the Prime Minister's wife and then the Prime Minister. Like, just think about that. Is that not a sci-fi plot? Leader of a nation self-isolates when his wife is test positive for a potentially deadly virus. That's right out of the movies. And I don't want to get too political, but I saw somebody send out a tweet and it was like, I always laughed at the plot in some of those movies where there's this giant pandemic and a giant world leader does nothing. But we're witnessing it right now in the United States. <laughs> and I had a good little chuckle about that. But it's one of those things, bringing it back to the Ontario Hockey League, there's just so many questions now. And, and there's, it's the small picture of things because of what this illness can do and what it's already done and the widespread infection that it is going to have. But, like, what does it mean for some of these teams? Like, I, I, I look at Flint and everything they've been through. Everything they've been through. They finally break through and have a fantastic team, a great season, battling for home ice. If they walked away, if, if the coronavirus doesn't happen and Flint wins the Western Conference... I don't think there's too many people that are surprised. They have that good of a team. They could win the Western Conference. They made all those moves and sent all those draft picks and players and bolstered up, and then their season gets cut short, and they don't even get the playoff gate that they so desperately would have wanted to to draw some excitement around the team. Not that um, Rolf needs the money from the gate. Well, that's the thing. But other teams do need that money from the gate. Yes, but I don't think... If if the season is done, mm-hmm. if we don't see another major junior hockey game in Canada, including the Memorial Cup, and I'm still, I'm not there. I'm I'm more optimistic, and I'll get back to that. But if if the worst case scenario comes to pass, I don't think this will put any team in financial ruin. Does it hurt? Yes. But if you think of uh, the teams with the least amount of resources, I'm. Um, Looking at you, Owen Sound. We love you up there at the Bayshore, but that would be your smallest market mm-hmm. team and your smallest budget. Yeah, they have the fewest amount of dollars coming in every right. game. It's simple. But based on where we are at with this season, were they going to get three home dates, maybe, for the Owen Sound attack? Either way, we're, we're at the very end almost of the regular season. Yes, the teams count on the playoff gate and the revenue that comes from that, but I think that if it was missed out on this year, it's not the end of the world. It would it would make some things pretty tight for sure. There might be a way that the league can help out a little bit. I don't know what the financial situation looks like, but I don't think it's going to be devastating. It, it would be more devastating 
in the manner that you described a moment ago, a team like Flint that's gone through hell and back, 16 wins last season, could conceivably win the West this year. That's the stuff that's tough because when you come back next season and you're trying to re-energize a fan base and you don't have a banner to raise or anything like that, you Mm -hmm. don't have the momentum to build off of. Remember our playoff run to the West final or whatever it turned out to be. Mm -hmm. You had all that momentum going for you. That you lose and it's almost like not starting from square one, but maybe square three. You got to take a couple of steps back here, right? A hundred percent. And that's the one that I look at the most just because, and we've talked about Flint all year on this podcast. And I think it's because we love it so much and what they've done and that turnaround. It's been great to see. But even if you look at the Eastern Conference, we talk about those gates and, I, and I'm with you. I don't think anybody's, it's not like we're going to lose a team because of this. Right. Which somebody told me today that they could, they could see three to four teams folding because of this. I, no, that won't happen. But I look at that Eastern Conference, and I know Kingston or North Bay would love two home dates. Absolutely. But again, North Bay is another one of those examples where you think of smaller market, tough season. Scott Abbott's got more money than you and I could ever hope to have. <laughs> he does. He so, has a lot of money. And I'm not, I'm a not, lot of money. Yeah. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you should, yeah. you should suffer, but the team will be okay. But then I think... And Kingston will too. You, you look at teams like Kitchener and Saginaw... And Flint to an extent, and, and London, Oshawa, Peterborough, teams that made all those moves at the deadline and leading up to the deadline and sure. departed with all the draft picks. And now you're without those draft picks and you don't even have a shot. It, but And there's been talk online about, oh, do they revert those, those trades? No, it's a trade completed, but you just don't get a shot at a banner. And it, this season could be one that has a giant, and I'm sorry to bring it up again, but have a giant asterisk next to it. That is such a great point that I hadn't even thought of yet. The teams that loaded up, yeah. the Peterborough Peets, right? the, uh, the Saginaw Spirit that you already mentioned, and, and so on down the line. The Ottawa 67s made their additions mainly last year, but still tweaked a little bit this year mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be really tough because you are without now the assets you traded away, be they draft picks or younger players, and you don't get the chance to to make the the run. Let me let me tell you why I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic. And again, I go back to it's it's the coronavirus that's in control of all of this. Yeah, and we're still in the very early stages. We will no doubt learn more in the hours uh, from the time we finish recording this podcast, but. I wonder, and and I I think I, I think we've done a lot of things right. We as a nation, quite frankly, our public health systems are in pretty damn good shape in this country. And when you're talking about here in Ontario, for example, extending the March break by two more weeks, so you've got three weeks now where kids are not going to be gathering. Large groups will not be gathering in communities. I know that brings up other concerns about daycare and whatnot, but we're just we're taking away. We're removing some of the opportunities for this virus to spread. So do we, in the next two to three weeks, while schools are out, get a chance to play a little bit of catch-up? Do we see the quote-unquote flattening of that curve? I think that the Canadian Hockey League has plans B, C, and D ready to go. And if there is an opportunity with guidance coming straight from the medical community not from the Board of Governors in the Canadian Hockey League. But as you said before, player safety, fan safety, that's what this is all about. That's why we're in suspension right now in the league. But if by, well, this is March the 13th. We already said that. So if by April the 13th, in one month's time, medical professionals are like, yeah, as you were, folks, and you can start going back to games, I guarantee you, if it's within a month, I would bet plan B is playoffs, full playoffs, except with shorter rounds, three out of five to start. If it's April the 20th to the 27th, I can envision a world where it's playoffs, but with only four teams from each conference going in, two rounds. And if it's even further than that, I could possibly see as a plan D a mono a mono one game showdown one game knockout you play like maybe a little round robin within the leagues to determine a league champion to go on to the memorial cup i think those three scenarios are very much in play 
because there's just too much on the line to say that the championship was not competed for in a given year. But that would only be... I'm not saying it's because anybody would be in financial ruin. I'm not saying it's because the league needs to cash in on the money. I'm just saying if you get the medical, the clearance from the medical community to go ahead with your life again, those scenarios are at play to salvage some sort of a playoff for the teams that had the opportunity this year to do something. We're still three weeks away from anything being remotely close to that in my mind. You said there's too much on the line, and this is the thing where I kind of, this is where my uh, pessimistic mindset comes from. What is on the line? Well, from the sports standpoint, the championship. Yeah. And the playoffs. And I, I but, just, I, I I don't think that's too much. I don't think there's, there's nothing, it's a, it's a trophy. Yeah, but And if it's you, nice to have. Right, but if if you are a league who's, I mean, that's what all sports teams, that's what all sports leagues are about playing for and winning a championship. For sure. Again, this is all dependent on the virus. I'm not saying, you know, everybody's health be damned, make sure you compete for it. I'm just saying we don't know where we're going to be. Chris, we could wake up tomorrow morning and there could be a vaccine. How do we, like... (laughs) It's wild, right? Right? It's so wild. We have no... Idea. I can't imagine booking your talk show that you do for three hours on the on five seventy news here, because you have it booked the night before, or you have a couple time slots filled, and then you wake up, and all of a sudden everything's changed, and you got to get ten new guests, and you know you have it booked at nine when you start, and then all of a sudden something comes down at nine thirty, and you got to wipe it again. I can't imagine these days for you. It's, like it's incredible. It's, it's just an incredible everything's constantly experience. changing. Yep. We're gonna put this podcast out later this afternoon. And by tomorrow, it could all be obsolete. You you don't know. Quick shout out. You mentioned the cure. Canadian doctor is getting it done again. How about it? Eh? Isolating that, uh, isolating the COVID-19 virus already. Like, we're about two weeks into this real mess. Whatever. And leave it to Sunnybrook, eh? Right? Yeah. Brilliant. China's been going through it forever. All overseas, Italy, states get it. Donald Trump's sitting on his hands, not doing anything. Canadian doctors are like, we got this. Yeah. You guys want some help? Sure, we'll do it. Here, here's our contribution. Yeah, yeah. Sunnybrook, we've been oh, we've been busy with other stuff too. But yeah, sure. Oh, this little virus, uh, little, little, done, done. Not a problem. Pretty impressive. <laughs> Canadians, we are rock. <laughs> um, my uh, going back to the OHL, and, and I, you're right. The league has plan A, B, C, D, E, probably down at least ten different scenarios. And there's a drop dead date. Make no mistake. Absolutely, there's a drop dead date. Absolutely. The the teams in the states, I believe, complicate things. Because now you're dealing with two different governments, two different medical fields, two different medical professional teams. Canadian doctors could say one thing, and in the States, it could be completely different. Is there a, is there a world in your eyes that the CHL makes a decision and moves forward with only the Canadian teams? No. No, there's not. and Because the, the ultimate... I think uh, decision maker in all of this is the World Health Organization. That's the entity that declared the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So if they declare the pandemic over on April the 12th, then I think there's a very real possibility that we see more hockey in the Canadian Hockey League, the National Hockey League, and we see more basketball. Simple yeah. as that. There, there needs to be some stuff done here in the next couple of weeks to lower the number of or the chance of people becoming infected. Because that, that's the biggest thing, right? right. The, it, it, it can all be looked after, but right now it's just spreading so fast. So we need to get out of, that's why they did this. Get out of the group, big groups of people where it can pass amongst, you know, 2,000 people pretty quick when you're all in a, in a hockey rink. One guy sneezes in his hand and, and grabs a handrail well, and then see, tw- 20 other no, people are holding on to handrails. That's the thing. We, we don't know yet that this is how it's being transmitted, right? We have not yet seen in Canada... Right. A, a community transmission of the illness from me giving it to you. We haven't seen that yet. But we're seeing it other places. So we have to we have to see how this we're still figuring out how this virus behaves. It is it's awful to see uh, for obvious like stating the obvious. Thanks Captain Obvious. But it's also Oh, it's I, fascinating. I, I love being around it. Like I'm not going to well, lie. Like it's just it's what a story. Like, this is something we're going to be talking about for the rest of our lives. And it may well end up be or becoming the story of the year sports, like the, the year decade. that sports got canceled. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, well, yeah. The I, day the music died. I, I can't imagine this drags into another season, but 
No, March, again, March 12th is going to be, it will always go down as the day right. the sports died. Yeah. Like, so what, what a day. Season's got unbelievable. suspended by a virus that we could not, we didn't know enough about, we couldn't contain. It's, it is wild stuff. I know Don Cameron, the legend, hated the word unbelievable because you can't say unbelievable, you just saw it. Yesterday was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around it as to what happened. All those different sports leagues just saying we're done. Yep. And Donovan Bennett of Sportsnet put it so perfect. I, I wanted to send him a tweet. He just put it so perfectly, filling in on Tim and Sid on Roger Sportsnet. He said, I'm paraphrasing here, and I'm, I should have looked up the quote, but he said, you know, sports is something that normally brings us all together, and now we can't be together. That's ex- that, that is it. And I, that's, I just thought that is perfect. It's one of the biggest things, and, and you want to have, I know we all want to have, I was out for dinner last night. We, we had a group of six of us. This was planned weeks ago. And there was very little conversation during the day about not going out. Mm-hmm. We still went out. The restaurant was jammed. Think of the game we were at on Wednesday night in Guelph. 4,600 fans on a Wednesday. I know Kitchener-Guelph draws well no matter which building, but still, people were not yet, were not yet ready to stop living our normal lives. And so when you take away a piece of our normal lives, even if it's just being a spectator on the couch at home, that hurts. You feel it. Great, great point by Donovan Bennett. I, I thought it was just perfect. And, but that's, I think that's the issue, too, what you just said. We're not ready to not live our normal lives. You need to stop living your normal life. Yeah, there's, there have People been... in Italy are posting stuff on Facebook. Italy's in lockdown. Yeah. Like, no one on the street, get in your house and stay in your house. And there have been calls around here for that sort of drastic measure. I'm on board. They're, and they're posting stuff saying, hey, North America... We're going through it. We were you at the start. Oh, it's just like the flu. We don't have to worry about it. If you don't change your habits, this is what happens. People need to change their habits. They need to stop living their normal lives. I drove by one of the most popular bars in the city on the way here. Normally jammed parking lot Friday noon hour lunches. Jammed. I drove by on the way here. Two cars. Yeah. On my way to dinner last night, it was pretty interesting. As I said, the restaurant, jammed. Like, it was jammed. But on the way there, I was driving to it around 5.40 p.m., and I got on the expressway in Kitchener, fully expecting the usual slowdown. Everybody, if you're from the area, (laughs) Bridgeport, right? (laughs) 85 north of Bridgeport Road, every day like clockwork. Not yesterday. And then southbound, usually starts around King Street and drags all the mm-hmm. way down to Lancaster. Again, I know I'm getting into the, the region of Waterloo here, but the expressway, long stretches of, it's every day. of crawling traffic. You know what happens. At rush hour. Not yesterday. Like, it looked like a Saturday morning out there. I, so, w- I was driving home yesterday, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, you know what? All this long day, you know, all this talk, I'm going to treat myself. I haven't barbecued in a while. Beautiful night out. I'm going to pick, pick myself up a steak, some asparagus. It, as I walked into the grocery store, it has one of those uh, arms that you have to push as you go in. And I pushed the door, the arm open, and I looked towards uh, the cashiers. And I turned around immediately, didn't even go through the arm, and walked out. I thought, nope, it was lined up. We saw pictures today of people around the corner of a Costco outside lining up trying to get inside. Yeah, because they want toilet paper. They, they want everything. But that I believe that, as you said, people don't want to stop living their normal lives. I think the scare... like. It was obviously talked about this coronavirus and everything and, and infections and we need to wash our hands and all this kind of stuff, the toilet paper joke. But when the NHL, NBA, MLB, all the sports leagues, MLS, NLL, CHL, when they suspend operations, that to me, in, especially in this country, that to me woke people up. It should be. And that's why, we're, that's why we saw what we saw yesterday. It, the, the impact should be the same when you hear a provincial education system saying two more weeks of March break. Same idea. Keep the crowds away from each other mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. And so hopefully... That just brings up a whole a whole other thing, right? Then pe- businesses and companies need to then react to that because there's parents that are going to have kids at home for three weeks. Of course. And then they need to, you know need to figure out that income and, and help them out with employment insurance and all the fun stuff. And in. we talked earlier about whether or not this puts any OHL teams in financial ruin. I promise you this, 
it could put some small to medium businesses flat out in financial ruin. Yeah. Hands down. 100%. I saw a great thing on Twitter the other day. If you are out and about, and if you don't want to go into a restaurant and eat there because you're uh, worried about contamination, just go and buy a, a gift card. Help out that business. Hold on to the gift card. They get to spend that money. They get to pay their bills. And then when this is all said and done, you can take your family out for a nice dinner. There you go. Right? Anyway. But think- back, to, back to this league. I wonder... And let's just pull back the curtain here a bit. You interviewed McKenzie on the Mike Farwell show on 570 News. I have yet to hear it. Did he say what is happening with the players? Yeah, they've gone back home. They've, they have went back home? Two weeks. And that's why I asked, what are the next Americans? Steps? I didn't think to ask that, but yeah, they've been, I, I would assume so. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't really considered that aspect, but yeah, all the players have been sent back. Like they've gone back home. Yeah. And because I wondered, do you, do you, do you work out? Do you, do you get to practice? Do you, what, what's going on? Nope. Full shutdown. Because that's some of the conversation in major sports where, and it's different, and that's where I, that's why I wanted to ask you about what is on the line when it comes to the CHL. In pro sports, there's at least money, and that's the root of everything in this world, it seems, money. Those athletes are being paid, right? The CHL are student athletes. So the, the athletes that are being paid in the pro leagues, there's talk about they want to go home. They want to go home to be with their families. But the teams are saying... It's coming from a business standpoint. They're looking at these players and saying, um, "You're our assets. You're our assets. Yeah. You're not going anywhere, right? We we can watch you here. You're going to sit in this hotel room and you're going to like it <laughs> because there's a lot of millions of dollars invested in you right now. So I was just curious as to what would it, what the OHL and and the CHL would do with those players because there are like for instance Axel Bergfist. Is he going home to Sweden? Vilio Tavainen. They sending him back to Finland? There's, there's Italians in this league. Are they going back to... I, I don't know. It, I think of Liam Kirk. He's he's a British boy. Yep. Are they going to send him back to England? I would suspect... I, I would think that's the case. Unless they're, in the case of an Italian uh, playing in the league that lives family still in Italy, I think they might make a decision on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Billet family would uh, continue to, to house that, that player. But. And we know Billet families, and 99.9% of them would be offering that they could stay there as long of course you want to stay here for another year <laughs> it, it ties into something else we've talked about and we we believe firmly in this league player safety is 100 paramount concern so i i don't think the league or the teams will do wrong by their players but yeah i'm i'm most interested in at this point no next steps have been issued and i guess that makes some sense it's going it's going to be one of these things that the leagues, just like you and I, continue to monitor. And that's what I, I honestly, I know it's a, it's, some people view it as a drastic step, but I like it. Yeah, it is let's pretty just, drastic, let, but. 100%. Let's just, and you know what? We we could be back here doing broadcast in two weeks. If if the numbers, if people uh, manage their, their beings well enough and the numbers start to slow down and hospitals can get an understanding as to how many patients they're going to have and, and how to treat them and so on and so forth. Because there's conversations in other parts of the world where they're having ICU units set up in the hallways. Their doctors have said, we are now playing God, where somebody walks in and we have to decide whether you live or die because they have to pick who they're treating. So if our hospitals here can get a better understanding as to what they're dealing with and the numbers slide down and what what do they call it? Uh, Lowering the bubble? Flattening the curve. Flattening the curve. I was so close. Uh, Flattening the curve. If we can just flatten the curve a little bit in these next two weeks, we could be back playing. Well, that's exactly it. We just don't know right now. We don't know. And that's what I like about it. Let's just shut everything down for two weeks. Let's get an understanding and then make a decision. I like how they just said, let's close it down. We'll make a decision moving forward, but we need some time here and we want everyone to be safe. So we, we need some time to figure out what the next step is. And the point in all of that, Chris, the point in all of that is as drastic as you may think this is, as awful, oh, how dare you take X, Y, or Z away from me? This is actually our public health system at work. It is. This is us doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Yep. It It doesn't, you don't have to like it, but you got to take the medicine. And this is a demonstration of what we have built in public health systems, certainly, well, I, in North America. I don't know why they're not using them very well in the States, but certainly here in Canada, yep, it sucks. Listen, I, I love our public health system. And I say that I've been on a wait list for a, a family doctor for over three, two, two and a half years. 
I've been waiting for a family doctor. Still haven't got a phone call. I get a notice in the mail every six months or so. You're still on the list. I love our healthcare system here. When I was 18 and I started to vote, my parents told me, we don't care who you vote for, but if any one of the people that are up for election say they want to privatize healthcare, do not vote for them. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) That was it. And I am fully, to this day, I'll I'll flip-flop. I'll tell anyone. I'm a liberal some days. I'm a conservative others. I voted green this year. I voted NDP. I voted for them all. It depends on who has the best ideas and which person I like. I don't look at party alignments. Who? What do you? What do you like? What, what's your ideas? If you try to tell me you're going to privatize healthcare in this country, you're not getting my vote off the anyway, table. There's some. There's some uh, political stuff. But um, <laughs> I'm sure we've all uh, been coronavirus out. Uh, but obviously, maybe. it is the story. We're going to continue to monitor, see where it goes. There is another hockey tournament that sadly has been impacted well i mean it, but for the greater good uh so chris you got a chance to talk to catch up with a, a player involved in that now canceled tournament but there's a huge and i do mean huge bright spot silver lining attached to this an incredible story with our next guest on the podcast absolutely they've shut down u sports uh the hockey tournament that was taking place out east uh, they've suspended that. They played the first couple games, actually, um, and then announced that it was being shut down because Hockey Canada axed it all. Um, I just got a text from uh, said person, and he said they're flying home later tonight. He just got word during this podcast that they are flying home tonight. So they're going to be put on a plane and sent home. Um, Ted Nickel is our other guest on this podcast. Listowel's own former captain of the Kingston Frontenacs, fourth la- or uh, fourth round pick, I believe, of Kingston back in the day. We saw his brother in Guelph on Wednesday. Yep. Mac. Um, now a ref. And and Mac actually won a Queen's Cup uh, OUA championship with the Guelph Griffins when he was playing with the Griffins. And then just, I think it was three or four years later, Ted Nichol scores the triple overtime goal. That triple OT. Triple OT. The best story, and we get into it a bit here in the in the interview with Ted, but for those who don't know, this is Ted's second year with the Griffins. His first year, he was often a healthy scratch. Sean Camp had some older guys and fifth-year guys that he won that Queen's Cup with, and he relied on them down the stretch as opposed to uh, Ted. And there's belief from some of his teammates who I've talked to that they, and I say it in the interview, that, that Sean Camp buried him. They felt he was good enough to play every day and would have helped the team, but Camp went with the players that he had been there with before. That's a coach's prerogative. But now, given the opportunity, Ted Nickel shines and scores a triple overtime goal to give the Guelph Griffins the Queen's Cup. They lost out east their lone game um, to St. Mary's. However, it doesn't matter because the tournament's canceled. We caught up with Listowel's Ted Nickel. So we were just talking uh, off air there a bit, and uh, I mentioned that I was in the studio here at the radio station, and somebody came in and wanted to talk about coronavirus and whether it was going to interrupt the OHL season. What uh, what are you experiencing now that you know you hop on a plane and you go out east? What's it like? Uh yeah, it's it's weird. Like the the airport kind of freaks you out a bit, but uh, but you know you just gotta I don't know try and live live life like you want to and not be worried about it too much, but you got to try and be careful same time but uh yeah it's pretty crazy what's going on has you sports or anyone set up any precautions or uh, gave you guys any tips on you know like not to high five people or not to sign autographs or anything like that uh not really i think there was maybe one thing uh after after the game at queen's cup we we shook hands but um i think the official the uh the lead official that was there wanted uh fist fist bumps instead of handshakes but I don't think we got the memo in time, but uh, I don't know if we we do fist bumps today with gloves on or or whatever. But uh, yeah, no no protocols so far. Well, that's all right. You mentioned that Queen's Cup, and I think we can sit here and talk about this coronavirus and what it does to sport for about five hours. So yeah, we can move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you score that goal. Take me through that moment. What was that like? Oh, I just remember uh, back checking. Actually, we had a there was they had a little bit of an odd man rush, but uh, our goalie made the save and the puck popped out into the slot. And 
Um, Ryan Valentini, my centerman, uh, picked it up, and I knew it was game on going the other way, so I uh, just made myself available for him, and uh, he drew the two two defenders in and, and then kicked it out to me, and I just tried to shoot it as fast as I could and got it off short side and um, was lucky enough to be at the right spot at the right time and, and uh, scored the, the goal of my life uh, so far. What was going through your mind when you saw that puck hit the mesh? Yeah, I saw it hit the the mesh and then the middle post, and uh, I I don't know. I kind of blacked out a little bit. I didn't even throw my gloves or anything. I I just couldn't believe it. And then uh, when I finally kicked in is when I uh, saw the whole bench skating towards me and and celebrating and them throwing their gloves off. And it was it was crazy. It was uh, a moment you can you know, only dream about. And then when you finally it happens and it's you, it's it's crazy. <laughs> the the video and seeing the emotion on your face was absolutely incredible. Um, I got to ask, though, what's going on with the haircut right now? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, last year, I got a haircut, and my captain told me never to get a haircut again. <laughs> I honestly haven't got a haircut since, uh, since he told me that back in, uh, I guess, it would have been a year ago last November, so... I don't know. It just it was kind of an ongoing joke, and uh, I kept it. And uh, I guess I don't know. I kind of like it now. <laughs> All right, I'll let you off the hook. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned last year your first year in Guelph. I was talking to a teammate of yours, um, and I won't yeah. use names, but he used the term "buried." He felt you got buried later on in the year. Everybody knew you were a, a fantastic player, and he talked about how how well you can shoot the puck. Going through the in and out of the lineups last year and as golf goes on their run um, and gets so close last year, did you ever think you'd be in this situation you are now? Um, yeah, I think uh, a part of me wanted uh, part of me wanted to prove uh, everyone wrong, kind of. Um, being out of the lineup last year, you, know, you kind of feel helpless, but you want to stay positive and be there for your teammates and encourage them along the way. Um, but to be... To be in the situation I am now, that uh, you know, I didn't think I'd be in the situation last year, but I wanted to be, and I worked hard to be, and um, I'm fortunate enough I am in the situation and and playing good hockey this year. Was your whole family at the game? Uh, no, just my my mom and dad were. Um, bro- my two brothers had to work, and and then my other brother was at home with his family. So, yeah, just my just my parents. We had uh, we had Mac doing the lines the other night actually in Guelph when we were talking about it. Obviously, Mac, you know, playing in Guelph and then winning a Queens Cup in Guelph with the Griffins, um, and then now you're doing it too. What did he What did he tell you about the program that Sean Camp and everybody has set up there in Guelph? Uh, he said it was uh, you know fun a fun experience for him. Uh, it goes by really quick, so enjoy every moment. Um, you know the the team. The team last year was a tight group, and this team's even tighter. Uh, it's, it's a great city to play in, and you have a lot of fun while you're there. And um, He really enjoyed his time, and so far I've been enjoying my time here as well. Which brother was the first one to send you a text? Uh, we have a, a group chat, the four of us, and uh, I think it might have been Mac, or um, he texted me first, I think, in the group chat, and um, he ended up uh, he was in Toronto that night, so he came to uh, the celebration after just on the ice. That was pretty cool. But, um, you know, Brett and Blake, they were obviously as pumped as Mac was and as I was. And they were uh, shortly after uh, texting me a whole bunch and calling me. So that was uh, a lot of fun that night and just seeing everyone uh, enjoy the moment as much as I was. It was awesome. I don't doubt it. To uh, to another topic, we, your time in Kingston in the OHL. What was it like being, uh, you know, a small town kid from from Listowel up up in Kingston? What's that market like to be in day in and day out? Uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, you, you you do go from a small town to a, a you know, it seems to be like a big city in Kingston. But um, my billets were were great with the transition and making it feel like home. And um, they always said that Kingston is just a small or a big a big small town. So. Um, once you get to know a lot of people around uh, you know, the school and, and just around the community, it does feel like a small town. And 
Um, the fans in Kingston were awesome, and it's just it was a great spot to play as well. How tough was it two years ago there when they you guys loaded up and brought in a bunch of players, and just not to get to the ultimate goal? How, how tough was that for you? Yeah, that was really tough. We knew we had a good team, and uh, you know we knew what our goal was, was to win uh, an OHL championship and and then play for the Memorial Cup and win that. But um, it was really tough. Uh, we ran into a good team in Hamilton, and uh, luck. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny that now Justin Lemke, that was the captain for that team, is now on my team, and we just won a championship together. So it kind of comes full circle, and um, it's fun to play with guys that you played against and, and build those relationships. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun going through that experience. You mentioned Lemke, and I was gonna gonna get to that because there's. You know, quite a few players on this team that you would have played against in Cole Cameron, Zach Roberts. Uh, uh, the list goes on and on. I could go through the whole, almost the entire roster, it seems like. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Zach Poyer as well, played in, in Guelph and Owen Sound. What's it? How tough is it when you first get into the room and you're looking across to those people and, you know, you're maybe even at tryouts or whatever and you're looking across to them being like, now we got to be teammates? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's weird at the start. You know, you... You have those playoff series against some of those guys and, and battle in a lot uh, throughout your OHL career, and and they come come in and you kind of got a sour taste in your mouth towards them. But once you uh, start chatting with them and start bonding with them, you know they're they thought probably the same thing about you as they walked in. So uh, those those feelings don't last very long, and you know you put the same jersey on as them at practice and in the games, and uh, you just wanna wanna do what. Uh, what we ultimately did is win a championship together. And um, I remember the first game against Laurier, actually. Um, Zach Poirier and I looked at each other and, you know, we said, how cool would this be if we won a championship together? Neither of us won anything in the OHL. And uh, that was just game one in the, in the playoffs. And we said, we're going to do this. And uh, the two of us, you know, every every game we played, we knew that we wanted to, to win. And uh, it was awesome winning it with uh, with Poirier and the rest of the guys that I battled with and the all against. So it was awesome. That is pretty awesome. Now, obviously, at this point, you guys are all over the age of nineteen. What was that party like after you won? <laughs> uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah, we uh, we took it down to the uh, Western Hotel in uh, in Guelph, and um, you know we kind of kind of felt like superheroes down there, and you know, we kind of. Kind of thought we could do whatever we wanted, but we stayed in the, in the, in the line and and celebrated the right way with uh, the fans and the rest of the students that were there with us. And uh, it was just a great night, and everyone enjoyed themselves for sure. You guys got some tough news though this year when Mikel Agard had left the team, right? Yeah, it was that was kind of a, a blind side, but uh, we rallied around it, and um, you know we kind of wanted to do it even more after after we got the news and. Um, yeah, it's it's tough when you lose someone like that to to pro hockey, but you know it was his decision to make, and uh, we weren't that fond of it, but um, <laughs> we did it without him, and and we're very proud of ourselves. Seeing seeing a guy like that jump to pro hockey, um, does that still give you the the hope that you can turn pro one day? Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal for everyone is to play at the next level, and um, a lot of people think that. U Sports might be taking a step back from junior hockey in the O or or the QMJHL, um, but uh, but it's not. It's it's just kind of a lateral movement, I think. And um, you get some schooling done while you're still playing at a high level. And um, when you're when you're done your school, you ultimately want to move on, whether it's in North America or in Europe. So I think that's a lot of the, a lot of our goals is to move on to the next level after. Okay, so the new uh, new Steve Kerr Memorial Arena there in Listowel. You, yeah. let, let's talk, you guys are out there on a Sunday afternoon. Brett, Mac, Blake, yourself are all lined up on the goal line. Okay. And I know they're all still skating. Maybe not at the level you are. Don't tell that to <laughs> Mac. Yeah. But who makes it to the next blue line the quickest? Oh, geez. Uh I like to say myself. I hope it's me. Uh, I don't know. I uh, smart I think, man. If you're betting on yourself, I'll say that. Yeah, I think it's probably me. But I think maybe Blaker or Brett 
going to try and trip me at the start, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that was that was going to be my next question. Which of the brothers is going to try to trip one someone? Yeah, I think probably Brett or Blake would. I think Mac thinks he could probably beat me straight up, but uh, I think the other two might have to get a head start. I don't know. They're going to kill me for that, but yeah. <laughs> I won't tell him, don't worry. Uh, so I'm sitting on my uh, couch probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, and uh, late night one night, watching some Crave TV. And I just happened to be watching our good friend Jared and Letterkenny. And uh, don't I hear the Nickel family name get dropped? A, have you seen that episode? And B, what did you think? Yes, I have seen that episode. Uh, Jared sent it to us. Um, I think it was even before it was released. And uh, we watched it, and yeah, you you know, you gotta just laugh at it, and and uh, appreciate that you know someone who who uh, has been successful in his career and making a great TV show and everything else that he's done. So it was pretty fun, pretty funny for the family, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Any of the boys on the team give you a hard time over it? No, I th- well, I think yeah, actually, uh, Andrew Masters is a big fan. Our goalie who played great in the Queen's Cup, he uh, he's a big fan. I think he's seen every episode. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know if many other guys have seen it. So uh, I'll maybe have to tell him that you know Guelph Guelph University got a shout out in the, in Letterkenny. I was I was gonna say you know yeah you won a Queen's Cup, but you also got a shout out in Letterkenny. You know yeah. I don't know which one's more important. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Ted. I appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck yeah. tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Not only the triple OT winner, but the superstar treatment with Letter Kenny. Right? I, I it, it was. It's obviously a huge show in Listowel because the creator of Letter Kenny, Jared Kiso, is from Listowel. Uh, Kiso was a Listowel Cyclone. Uh, he then went on to play um, down in Sarnia. I believe. Anyway, he was playing junior B down in that loop. But it's. Uh, it, it was hilarious. I messaged. Uh, Ted's uh, brother Brett. I was up late watching it, and it was one, right off the top of the episode. And I messaged Brett right away. I'm like a letter, Kenny. Shout out to the Nichols. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, Pulper. Yeah. What the hell do we do now? Well, I think we're uh, we've talked. We're going to suspend the podcast, just like they did the league. Um, if there's no league, there's not much for us to talk about. We're, this is an ever going situation here with the coronavirus. Um, and everything to go along with it. If the league announces they're back, trust me, we'll be back right away. Um, but we're still going to try to bring you some content. We uh, we have some some feature type ideas. And listen, here's here's our promise to you: uh, the the coronavirus will will not be mentioned because we're yep. all dealing with it in our lives. So this will be your opportunity for escape. Like Chris we said, our said piece. yep we we can't obviously talk to you about what's going on currently in the Ontario Hockey League because there is no currently in the Ontario Hockey League. But one of the things that we've been uh, working on and we're almost set to go with is catching up with a a couple of lug nuts from back in the day that... uh, I'm going to look up the numbers because I'll bet you their combined penalty minutes one season is probably the top 10 combined penalty minutes in the league this season. I'm just guessing. Oh, I gotcha. I'd have to look at the the numbers because we know... Fighting and penalty minutes are way down. Not when these bozos were playing. Yeah. And I say that with love. So we'll, we'll get them in and, and hopefully uh, they can share some stories. And uh, you've run into a guy that scouted the game for a long time. That's yeah. got a few uh, yarns to spin. A longtime Kitchener Rangers scout who I, I got talking with him at the Super Bowl party. And I don't think Shannon let me say 10 words. I, and I didn't watch the game. I was just hanging on every single word. He's a good friend of Joe McDonnell from back in the day. And He's got more stories, than, and we're going to bring him in here, and we're just going to flick on his mic, and it's going to be a pretty simple interview. Brian Bellows, go. <laughs> That's it. Walter Tkachuk, go. I want to know more about Jeff Larmer. He was my favorite yeah. when I was a well, kid. Trust me, he'll have 30 stories about Jeff Larmer. So uh, we're going to we're gonna get him in here, um, and then we got a couple other things on the go, too, if we can iron some things out. But we're going to bring you some content whenever we can. We'll make sure to just follow us on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL at underscore Chris Pope. We'll uh, continue to bring you content as we're able. Um, but as Mike mentioned, there will be no more coronavirus talk as uh, we move forward with this podcast. We've said all we can say and let's leave it up to the medical professionals and uh, everybody that's listening, wash your hands. You are uh, likely already subscribed if you're listening right now. If not, make sure you do. Tell your friends. You'll get the notification when new content becomes available and we will do our best to keep it coming as we fill the void 
without the Ontario Hockey League right now. As always, if you want to hear a topic or you have a guest that you think you want to hear, let us know, Farwell and Pope at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Wash your hands. That's a wrap on this edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Your authority on everything around the OHL. Have a question or topic you'd like covered? Email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.